1: There's a passage in the Gospel of Mark that I want to uh, share with you. I would really encourage you to read the entire chapter of Mark 9. I want to preach about a crisis of faith. We face many crises in life. Perhaps someone who is here this morning is experiencing... Some kind of crisis. Relationships, unlike Ford trucks, are not always built to last. Sometimes we find ourselves in the throes of relational rehabilitation as we experience relational crises. Sometimes psychological and uh, mental crises keep us awake at night. And we find ourselves longing for that peace, that pass of all understanding. Churches have experienced, perhaps almost every church at some point in its history has experienced some kind of crisis. There is uh, perhaps no crisis as difficult and as daunting as a crisis of faith. The reason is, is because, You can handle almost everything else the world and the flesh and the devil throw at you when your faith is strong, when your faith is intact. But when your faith has been shaken, uh, when the foundation has been shifted, uh, then the crisis of faith can be a very difficult experience. In this passage that we read and its larger context, We have the story of a father and his epileptic boy, his son. And this story is significant because it is recorded in all of the synoptic gospels. We find it in Matthew and we find it in Luke. The Markan account, the account of the narrative in Mark, is the most comprehensive. It has fine details and subtleties of themes that are not in the other accounts. It is the most complete and the most comprehensive of the accounts because Mark probably drew his information from his mentor and spiritual guide, Peter. And Peter, the apostle, is sharing an eyewitness account of what happened in this particular experience. The focus of this passage is faith. We have titled this message, A Crisis of Faith. And this text reminds us that faith is not always standing strong and erect on the promenades of our lives, ready, willing, and able to spread its wings and take galactic flight and grasp hold of eternity. Sometimes faith is in crisis. Sometimes we experience faith from the standpoint Of anxiously groping in the dark mazes of life, trying to make sense of our circumstances and our situations as we sometimes reluctantly press our way to the light. Faith is like that sometimes. Each participant in this narrative embodies some aspect, some dimension of a crisis of faith. The Father's crisis of faith is an unwilling crisis. He doesn't want to feel what he's feeling, but he's feeling it. And he wants to believe, but he says, I need you to help my unbelief. Uh, The son's crisis of faith is an uncontrollable crisis because tortured physically and strained mentally, he cannot control or dictate his response to the master. The disciples' crisis of faith in this passage is an unconscious crisis because they're not aware that they have become unplugged and disengaged from the true source of faith. Only when the Lord tells them that their apparent impotence is due to the fact that they cease to pray and fast do they get the picture. And then the scribes and the Pharisees, their crisis of faith is menacing, mocking, and And malevolent because they are mocking the disciples because of their inability to cast out the demon or the sickness from this young boy. This passage also, as we look at it, it takes us from the mountaintop into the valley. We go from the zenith in the text to the very depths of the text. In the zenith, in a mountaintop experience, Jesus is transfigured before the disciples in resplendent, manifested glory. And I think if you and I were there, we too would have been dazzled and amazed like Peter, James, and John and somebody would have said it's good to be here and we would have probably been like them too when you have a mountaintop experience you don't want to come down you would have said we need to build some tents and tabernacles so we can stay up here and enjoy it because it's not always this good no matter how well paved the roads no matter how scenic the route life's journey is dangerous Life's journey is difficult. Life's journey is demanding. And you know, sometimes I'm reminded of this inescapable reality when a few years ago as I've driven, and I drive a lot, but I began to notice on highways and even interstates, in places where you would think there would be safety and security and no one could have an accident, I began to notice the little crosses that punctuate and mark places where tragic accidents and fatalities have occurred. I just want to tell you this morning that no matter how smooth your ride is today, no matter how scenic it is today, you see life is going to have some bumps and some bruises. And you might feel real good right now, but if you keep on living, you may find yourself in a crisis of faith. And so as we've come to this text today, what does this text say to us about a crisis of faith? Something that is inevitable, something that all of us will experience or perhaps are experiencing or have experienced in our lives. There are two things that are accentuated in the text and you pray with me, I'll hit those things and we'll be through. What are these two things in the text? First of all, it is apparent that this text shares with us explicitly and implicitly the roots of a faith crisis. The roots of a faith crisis. The late and brilliant author C.S. Lewis in an essay titled Religion, Reality a Substitute defends Christianity against the criticism of those who said Christianity is compensated hallucination. Is that really what's going on when we worship? Karl Marx and Das Kapital said that it is the opium of the people is, that, is this just a drug that we take on Sunday morning and then it wears off and we have to get another fix on the next Sunday? What's going on in here? C.S. Lewis was defending against the critics who said it's hallucinated compensation, a compensated hallucination. And he says that faith has its source in three areas, authority, experience, and reason. He says sometimes our faith is encouraged by the credibility of the authority that commends that faith. Sometimes it is encouraged simply because at that point and junction it makes sense, and then it's encouraged when our faith is validated by our experiences. But a crisis of faith happens when the authority that commended our faith becomes impugned or compromised, when faith doesn't make sense, when it don't add up, because the facts of faith and the reality of your and my situation do not agree, and then our experience is in contradiction to our affirmation of faith. We find ourselves in a crisis of faith. In this text, the boy's father's crisis was precipitated by the crippling chronic condition of his son. It's true in life because something happens with us when the thrill of victory turns to the agony of defeat. And we find ourselves victimized by those things we cannot control. See, some of us think we can control it all. We think if we can get enough money in the bank, we can build up enough connections. If we can network enough, we can handle whatever comes. But I tell you something, you keep on living. There'll come something in your life you can't dress up and get away from. There'll come something in your, my life, you can't get in your car and drive away from. You can't charge it to American Express. You got to have something on the inside that holds the reins. On that stormy sea one night, uh, when in obedience to Jesus, they had left the shore and had crossed and was crossing the Sea of Galilee, and a storm came up. And in the midst of the storm, Jesus was asleep on the helm of the ship, and they were fearing for their life. And somebody said, They didn't ask who will answer, but somebody said, Master, careth thou not that we perish? And so life will precipitate a crisis of faith. I don't think I have to argue that too strongly. I I think that's very real to us. But this text also said there's another reason for a crisis of faith. And that's not just the contingent, circumstantial nature of life. but, But sometimes our crisis of faith is precipitated by the inability of the church to help when we're in trouble. See, this man's problem, if you read the text now, his problem was exacerbated. His problem was intensified because he came to the right place. He came to the right people. But when the Lord showed up, he said, I brought my boy to your disciples, and they could not help him. And so this text asked us to raise a pertinent question. Is there any power in the church? Because beyond all our imaginations, beyond all of our little stuff we get caught up in, there's folk who come to church who are looking for some help. There are folk who come to church who need to hear a word from the Lord. They ain't worried about what kind of car you' driving. They ain't worried about where you went to school or high school, they aren't worried about what you got on. They're going through a crisis of faith.. They ain't worried about you being cute. They need to hear a word from the Lord. This man brought his son to Jesus' disciple. Jesus wasn't there. And they couldn't help him. We ought to be able to help folk. That's it. That's what it's about. We ought to be. There is a bomb in Gilead. God didn't put it in the NAACP. He didn't put it in the Urban League. He didn't put it in the welfare. He put it yeah. he put it in the church yeah. you know it's interesting after the million man march Louis Farrakhan said Louis Farrakhan said this about the church he said the church is a dying house mm. Louis Farrakhan said the church is sick it's stricken with vanity it's self aggrandizing it has false pride and it's bowing down to false idols. You know when I read that it caught my attention but what really hurt me is that some of what he said our young young black brothers are attracted to Islam because they're trying to help them they're trying to meet them where we are it's not just meet and eat and go home They have a drug rehabilitation program. They're reaching out to these young men. They're trying to empower them. And here we are sitting on Jesus. Here we are. We got the best kept secret. Do I have a witness? We know who's the bridge over troubled water. We know who's the doctor and the lawyer. Muhammad is dead. But I. in the morning. Yes. Buddha is dead. Yes. But I am. Yes. And what I'm saying to you is that sometimes people are going through crisis, what they need to see in you and me is a demonstration of God's power. That's what they need. I mean, we say we are serving the one who got up on Sunday morning with all not not some power but all power and we walking around here acting worst in the world with our heads hung down like he didn't really make this day and we can't rejoice in it in the days of Elijah the people were experiencing a corporate crisis of faith I know it's true because in 1 Kings chapter 18, Elijah asked him something. He says, how long ought you? How long ought you between two opinions? You know what? The Bible says the people answered him not a word. Elijah said, I know what you need. He says, I'm going to call fire down. Elijah tore down the idol altar. And he rebuilt an altar poured water on it so much that nobody would ever thought there was a desert spark that malt the flame about. And then he prayed to God and fire came down. And after it was consumed the altar and the sacrifice and all the water, the people bowed down because they saw a demonstration. They saw a demonstration of the power of God. They bowed down and said, Yahweh is Lord. Yes. Yahweh is Lord. They need to see that demonstration in the church. You know, a few years ago, one of our members gave me a poem about church bones. And I I think this cuts to the heart of what I'm trying to tell you. What kind of bones up in here? It's church bones. It says, they tell me the church is a body with the anchor and strength of stones. I look at the church as a body, but I see a house full of bones. There's a jawbone over in the corner who is never satisfied who takes all the business of the church and spreads it around outside. The funny bone sits right beside her with her feelings on her sleeve just daring somebody to touch her so she'll have an excuse to leave. Then way in the back is a wishbone like a trophy high on a shelf always wishing the others would do a so and so but never does a thing herself. The neck bone is stretching and looking to see what the others are doing and if the church isn't careful the bone will bring it to ruin. The head bone is the pastor. He directs the other bones way. For the church to be a healthy body the head bone must bow to pray. The foot bone and the hip bones just appear and occupy space but gets in the way of the others who are trying to run the place. But the strength of the church is the backbone. It stands straight whatever be tied and will work through trials and hardships and smiling by brushing them aside. Yes, the church, to be sure, is a body of bones and they fill up every pew. I know you belong to the body, but tell me which bone are you? There's a crisis of faith. Precipitated by the crippling condition of life, but also the incompetence and the impetus of the disciples in this text. But the second part of the text is this. What are the resources for a faith crisis? I'm so glad the text does not end on a negative note. Because this text provides resources for a crisis of faith. There are two resources in this text that will help you resolve a crisis of faith. It's nothing complex or complicated that I'm going to share with you at this point. If you come to me with a crisis of faith I'm just going to tell you honey you better look to Jesus because Jesus is a rock in a weary land. Jesus is a shelter in a time of storm and I've lived long enough to tell you that can't nobody do you like Jesus. I ought to have a witness here. He will make a way somehow and if he doesn't move your mountain he'll give you some strength to climb anyhow. Jesus will help you through your crisis of faith because he may not come when you want him, but he's an on time God. Do I have a witness here. You see, one way to get through a crisis of faith is just put away your sophisticated intellect. Put away your materialistic preoccupation and fall down on your knees and just call the name of Jesus. I dare you to call him. If you call him, you won't have to call too loud because he walks with you. If you are his child, and he talks with you. And he tells you You are his own. I've been calling on him a long time. Sometimes I just stretch out on the floor and say, Father, I stretch my hand to thee. Oh, one way to resolve a faith crisis is to call on the name of Jesus. The world won't tell you to call on Jesus. Our universities and colleges, young people, won't tell you to call on the name Jesus. But you better learn how to call him. And don't wait till trouble comes. Don't wait till your crisis show up. You call him right now. You ought to call him up and say, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for making a way for me. Thank you, Jesus. I could have been dead and buried in my grave. But you spoke one word. Thank you, Jesus. When mother and father forsook me, you took me out. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a second resource in this text. Not just the supreme object of our faith, but the supernatural operation of our faith. You see, Jesus touched this young man. And when you read the text, it appears he got worse before he got better. But I'm going to tell you, Dr. Jesus has never been sued for male practice because what he'll give you is blessed assurance. That's why I put it in the program today because some of us need to say, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Do have a witness? I used to hear my granddaddy say, I'm satisfied with Jesus. I'm satisfied with the Lord. The question come to me as I think of Calvary. Is he satisfied with me? You see, Jesus touched this boy. He healed him. Even though the father said, I believe, but help my unbelief. And then he pulled the disciples off to the side. And somebody asked, I don't know who it was. Why could we not cast him out? Jesus said, The problem was, is that this kind comes forth, listen to me, by prayer and by fasting. Some of the older manuscripts do not have fasting. Some of the most reliable manuscripts do not have fasting, but I'll stop at prayer. If you want to get through a crisis, all I can tell you is call on his name. There's something about prayer. We say you ask it shall be given if you seek you shall find if you knock the door will be open anybody asking today anybody knocking today anybody seeking today i'm a witness here god asks us prayer is there anybody here know about it he asks a prayer sometimes say yes sometimes he said no sometimes he said wait a while we don't have no problem when god said yes we struggle sometime when god said no we really have a crisis when god said wait a while but i'm so glad i moved to the point no matter what god said If he said yes, I said yes. If he said no, I said no. If he said wait, I'm all right. I'll have a witness here. I'm so glad I've learned, I've learned.
0: You have been listening to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. We pray that you have been encouraged with what your ears have heard and your hearts have felt. Explore our website at tdstubblefield.org for more information about us and to obtain resources provided by T.D. Stubblefield Ministries. Until next time, be blessed and remember to stop stressing and start stepping, advancing in faith, hope, and love by reading and applying the Word of God so you can stand on Certain Truth for Uncertain Times.